Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schiffer, the Missouri Beat Ref for Kansas City Star. As usual, I'm joined alongside Blair Kirkhoff, who didn't go to Los Angeles for the Epic Chiefs game. He was here in Kansas City, and we're going to talk Missouri-Arkansas uh, for Friday from Missouri basketball and probably some bowl projections and uh, maybe a little Alberto Mackey Award talk. Blair, how you doing? Good, Alex. How you doing, man? Not bad, not bad. So... We talked a little bit last week how Mizzou-Tennessee could get a little interesting, but Missouri is the game that they should win, and they certainly won without much of a problem. Yeah, they, uh, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've had a difficult time reading Missouri almost on a weekly basis. I, I thought that, um, I thought they would have... I didn't know how motivated they'd be going to Florida, coming off the Kentucky loss. Of course, they were fantastic. I thought they might have problems in Tennessee, and they were fantastic. So, um, so now, uh, you know, just based on you know recent history, I I think Missouri should have one of those name the score type of games against Arkansas. And I could be totally wrong about that. Um, but the, the way this thing sets up, uh, Missouri seems to have all the advantages in the game. And, um, and, and if, listen, if it's close, then maybe we've got the seeds of a rivalry that, that Missouri and Arkansas wants to be. One of those, it doesn't matter how good either team is uh, when they play. It's always going to be a close game. But I don't think this series is there yet. And I think I think Missouri is, um, is, is a big favorite for a good reason. And... I'd like. I, I think Drew Locke's going to go out uh, and play his final game at Columbia and, and leave on a on a pretty high note. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, to recap Tennessee real quick, I thought the most encouraging sign from that game was that the backup quarterback comes in for Tennessee pretty early on. I, I think everyone in the press box and at home was even saying like, "Well, you look at South Carolina; their backup quarterback played well against Missouri early in the season." It's there's a good history of Missouri losing the back of quarterbacks, and the kid had some momentum early on. He was he was thrown it deep pretty well, and then Demarcus Acey has that interception that he nearly returned for a touchdown at the end of the half. Missouri scores on it, and I thought that that game completely changed its tone right from there. I mean, we've talked before when we were at Purdue together. Missouri's had the chance to step on a team's neck and kind of take care of business going into halftime. And it hasn't before, and I, I just thought that this was an example that this was a big step forward, A, because I think AC's had a good year, but doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And, and you know, I think to some fans, he might forever be associated with that end of that last play against Kentucky. And I, I also think that just to some, you know, it's, it's a secondary that just hasn't done a lot until recently. And it, it's kind of a what have you done for me lately type of deal. But he had two interceptions. I mean, everybody looked good offensively. I think Missouri's, we've talked before with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world, those are SEC teams where their number twos are just as good as their number ones. And Dom Jacinto, the, the pride of Ray Tom, got into the end zone. And I just thought on offense, Missouri definitely showed that they have depth that people don't realize Cam Scott had another big catch in that even though Emmanuel Hall is graduating, Kendall Blanton, some other guys, they are building something to where they, they're reloading in a sense. So I thought there were a lot of encouraging signs to come out of it. And, uh, and as you said with Arkansas, you know, this is a game that 
despite all their troubles this year, was one that I never lost sleep over picking Missouri. I mean, Arkansas hasn't really done anything to give you reason to pick them. They had their – they were without three starting DBs on uh, on Friday, two for doing what uh, a lot of men – don't have the don't have the the guts to do sometimes and ask a, a cheerleader for a phone number, and uh, and another one for getting hit by a car. So I, I think that you know Drew Locke and that class don't want to leave Faroe without a win, and I think that Arkansas kind of handing Drew Locke three inexperienced DBs. I mean, you look at the depth chart; a lot of those guys are true freshmen and retro freshmen. I, I just I can't I can't not go the the pick the score route like you said. Right. All right. So there's a lot here. So let's I'm going to take it chronologically. I you're right about the Demarcus AC pick. That was that was remarkable. That what a turn of events. I mean Tennessee's getting ready to. I believe it was 19 to 10 at the at the time, and, and Tennessee's looking to go in and cut this thing to two at halftime and feel really good. And, and get instead, the ball back. And, and get the ball back, right. So instead, you know, AC goes almost the length of the field, but Missouri plunges it in. It's 26 to 10 at halftime. Changes everything about that game. The whole the whole feel of the of the game changes with that play. Huge play. Maybe the defensive play of the year for, for the Tigers. Um, Arkansas, as a program, you know, they changed coaches uh, after last season. Bielema was out. In fact, Bielema and Jeff Long, the athletic director, were out because of uh, lack of progress in the football program. And what do they end up with? A two and eight, two and nine season going into uh, into Missouri, and uh, and Arkansas fans are pretty angry about what's going on with uh, with Razorback football, and they wonder if they got the right guy in in Chad Morris. I I don't know if anybody. I, I, whenever there's a coaching change uh, like this, you, you expect there to be some transitional pains. But I'm not sure anybody expected it to be this bad uh, for for the Razorbacks, and you just um, you can't have seasons like this. And then lastly, and I would love to know your thought on this: if if you're a football player hitting on a dance uh, squad or a cheerleader or something, is that a suspendable offense? Uh, should those guys have, uh, have paid a price for this? Uh, it's funny. I want to ask you the same thing because you've been in college sports a lot longer than me. I thought Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports had an excellent column about how this is just another sign of paranoia and, uh, and with college coaches and, and getting the best of them and, and kind of making them act like this for, for you know, just kind of making a big deal over nothing. And, and my whole thing with it was, you know, first off, I think if someone like Nick Saban well, uh, let me actually rewind even more. If Arkansas is like nine and two and playing for a New Year's Day bowl game on Friday, I don't think this happens. Um, I, I think the suspension. You, you don't think you don't you don't think the suspension happens. If if this is a if this is a game that could change the course of Arkansas season on Friday, I my the hypothetical I was going back and forth with on, when I saw the news was that. If Arkansas is playing to win the SEC West or get into a New Year's Six bowl game or just make a bowl game, does Chad Morris, is he able to address his AD and, and the fans and the media and say, I took two of our best players off the field because they did something a lot of college kids do, which is ask a girl for their phone number. I, I don't see how you could live through that. That, that just sounds like a PR nightmare. Uh, Arkansas has something at stake. and. He 
suspends two players that are key players for him. One of them is an NFL draft prospect. I forget which which DB it was, but you suspend those guys for that. I, I just think that if Arkansas was playing for something, that that would have been a very tough pill for him to swallow of, I'm suspending these guys even though this game has a lot of stakes for us. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, I, I think w- we are in uh, sort of uh, tighter times when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, I, I go agree. back, you, you know, back when uh, back when Barry Switzer was the coach at Oklahoma, and they were running up scores against Kansas, Kansas State, maybe even Missouri. But uh, in some of those old Big Eight games, his guys would. Uh, uh, his starters would take their shoulder pads off at, at halftime, and they were seen eating hot dogs on the sideline, talking to fans in the stands, um, and, and nobody cared. Um, this happened in the pregame. Uh, this was a pregame situation where uh, a couple of players talked to the, you know, to the uh, Mississippi State cheerleaders or dance squad girls, whoever they were. I, I find it to be harmless, and this is just a terrible overreaction on the part of of Arkansas. I think it's silly. And, um, and and it's, it's not a it's it's not a good look for the for the Razorbacks this week. So I just um, it's it's unfortunate that that it happened, and it's unfortunate that we're you know this way about uh, you know about uh, our suspension rules. Uh, there's some serious things that that uh, need to be addressed in college sports, and this isn't one of them. You got to you got to let this slide. Maybe you, you talk to the players after the game and, um, and, 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 you know, handle it in-house, but you don't suspend them for a game. I just – much too much of an overreaction here for me. You know, I, I agree. And, and the other two th- points that I had were just that, you know, Chad Morris is a coach that had one winning season at SMU, uh, he, one winning season in his career. It's not like he's been a guy that – has this amazing track record and everything. So I, I just think that it was something that he could have avoided from getting in the news, and he should have. And, uh, you know, it's not like he's this guy with a ton of credibility and, and a, a track record and whatnot. And I, I guess my other point, just to kind of go to yours, I, I agree that, that the climate is changing some of that stuff. Um, you know, it's, I, I just think opposing coaches recruiting players Chad Morris wants are going to have a field day with this. Um, you know, I, I would like to be a fly on the wall for a kid whose top two is maybe Arkansas and I don't know, uh, let's just say university of Houston because it's the first school that comes to mind and, uh, major Applewhite saying, you know, you, you, you're looking at Arkansas, you know, I'm going to be able to get a, you know, try to get a girlfriend without missing some games or something. You know, I, I'm sure I, I would have loved to have asked someone like Mike Leach about this because I bet he would have given a hilarious response. Oh my gosh! Oh, he'd have, he'd have, that that would have dominated his press conference if uh, if he was asked about this. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you: Is is Albert O going to play this weekend? It's a good question. You know, Barry said he'd be limited. I tend to think that he's out until the bowl game, just as a precaution. My whole thing is if is if you have to play him, you, you know, well, this is a game where you don't have to play him. I mean, to to win, and you know, they have. Daniel Parker, now they have some depth there. Uh, Kendall Blanton being a senior, you probably want to get him some throws, maybe try to get him a touchdown. I think that if you can kind of – if you can avoid using him and save him for the bowl game, that's the best-case scenario. I was going to ask you about him because, you know, him being a finalist for the Mackey Award award is tremendous. And, you know, I don't think he's had as many of the the eye-popping numbers he did last season just from the touchdown perspective, but he still has shown, you know, to be a – 
touchdown machine and everything. I'm I'm just curious, what do you think of, of his chances? And because it, it'd be excellent for Barry's program. And also just, do you think not playing these last couple of games hurt him or given that, given that he's in the top three and still leading in certain categories for his position, he's playing with house money right now just to be a finalist. Yeah, he is. I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be tough. Um, uh, there's, I'm trying to find out the, the Stanford guy, let's see, Stanford, uh, uh, then Pink, uh, Pickney of, of Vandy, uh, and, and then, and then Albert O were the finalists. Yeah. It, you know, this thing usually, it usually ends up going to the, the player with the best numbers, overall numbers, receiving touchdowns and, um, and not playing obviously is going to have an impact on Albert O, but, I'll tell you what these these individual awards are. There's one for every position in college football, and Missouri's had a few of them over the years. They um, didn't Martin Rucker win the the, the Mackey once. Uh, Kaufman, Kaufman maybe. I, I, I know Kaufman won it. I think Rucker was a finalist. I want to say. Uh, okay, so there, there's a, there's a heritage of um, you know of, of tight end uh, award winners at Mizzou, and it, it it is. It's it's neat to win these things, and uh, and it gives the the school a profile on the uh, on the awards night on uh, what th- usually it's on a Thursday night before the Heisman. It's cool to see uh, your guy or and your coach on TV. So there's some there's some cachet in, in having these individual award winners, and um, it, it, it's uh, it's good. I think it's ultimately good for recruiting as well. Uh, and if he's not going to win to be a finalist, very good for him. That's um, that means he'll get he'll get talked about between now and. And then not playing on on Friday will will have an impact on his uh, on chances to win because if he was on the field that and, and he catches a ball that's you know that's Albert O the the, the John Mackey Award finalist every time he cut you know every time he catches it so and it's a national TV exposure for the Tigers on on Friday as well it would have been a good opportunity for him he's not gonna it may he may not get it and and that won't help that won't help his chances to win the award. I agree. I'm, I'm just curious. Let's talk ball projections real quick. I think we're both assuming Missouri to win this game handedly. They go into the championship weekend at eight and four, and obviously there's a domino effect here. But you know, most projections right now have them either in Nashville for Music City, some of them have them in Jacksonville for the Gator Bowl. A couple can see them sneaking into the Outback Bowl for uh, in Tampa. Um, you know, there's one or two here or there that that have them at the Belk. Or um, or the Liberty, you know my I I lean to you with this stuff, but I you've been a good mentor. I've been kind of using some of your caches with other people when I've been doing my radio spots on this. You know, as you said, have you as you've told me, you know, bowl games are a business, and I I just can't see Missouri going to ACC country in the Belk Bowl. I, I think if they're going to put a team there, South Carolina makes a ton of sense there. I, I think Missouri's too good for the Liberty Bowl with eight wins. I think that's traditionally a seven-win team that goes there. And I, I think that in terms of Missouri selling out his ticket allotment and getting a good matchup, I think the Music City is the one that has all of the bells and whistles for that. I mean, there's a very strong alumni contingent in Nashville for Mizzou, and it's it's very drivable for fans. And fans have showed up for Missouri NCAA tournament game last year uh, against Florida State for that. Vanderbilt's always been a popular road trip destination for fans. So, I, my my summary is that if you get Music City, I think you're very happy if you're Jim Sterk and Barry Odom. But given that this team was so close to being a 10-win team with the two plays against Carolina and uh, Kentucky, if 
you could go to a Gator Bowl or a New Year's Day Bowl like Outback, you're really only finishing a little bit beneath what you were going to, what in a perfect world things sh- should have shaken out to be, which would have been them in a New Year's Six or, you know, Capital One or right outside that. So I think that Music City is a good, safe, you know, want to fall back on. But if you can make a push for the Gator or the Outback, you should definitely try to get one of those two. I'm, I'm curious for, for your thoughts on my analysis. Well, I, you're, you're right. You've, um, I, I think you're, you're on, to, uh, on, on the right track here. You know, the, the, the conference office is, is in constant communications with the Bulls. Uh, at this point and has has been for weeks and and every Sunday there are meetings in the offices of the SEC and in each of the bowl uh, bowl games and they've got the they've got the big whiteboard up and they they're writing down their you know their teams and their their candidates and they're also trying to figure out what other bowl games do because contrary to popular opinion these these guys are um, uh, they compete against each other as well they they don't always communicate on uh, on who's um, you know you you take this team we'll take you know you scratch my back I'll scratch yours they every bowl wants to get the best matchup because they're looking to sell tickets they're looking to uh, be uh, popular in their community um, and and also keep this in mind ESPN has nothing you know, which which televises almost all the bowl games they have very little or nothing to do with the matchups it's all about the bowls needing to sell tickets in their community. And uh, and create the most attractive matchup they can find. So, um, it, given that, I, I think you're right about Missouri. I I think they're going to fall just short of the the New Year's Day. There's certainly not going to be the New Year's Six, but the New Year's Day games that SEC has contracts with. The, you mentioned the Capital One. That's the that's the big one. Um, that's that's not part of the uh, of the New Year's Six. Uh, there's the, uh, the the outback, and then there's the yeah, they still call it the Gator, whatever they're calling it, the Tax Gator Bowl. I've been using them interchangeably. There you go. All right, so those are the ones. That's the sort of the next tier of SEC bowl games, and that's what that's what I was thinking about for Missouri heading into this season. That's I you know figuring they would they would have a hard time with Alabama and Georgia. Um, maybe maybe they'd be able to get into one of the, that level, that second level of of, of, of bowls. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, if I'm a bowl, listen, if I'm a bowl guy looking at Missouri and I see that they're eight and four, which is you know within a game of being a really nice nine and three, uh, and they've got a quarterback like Drew Locke, and I figure I'm never going to get Missouri again, or this is just a sort of a one once in a decade deal. And I've had, let's say, an Auburn in my bowl three of the last seven years. I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Missouri. Give, them, give me something different here. If you're, you know, if you're trying to sell, sell a game, but I, I don't know if that'll happen. There's, it would be great for Missouri if it did. I, I don't know if it will. Historically, Missouri has ended up in kind of bowl games that they have deserved by record. Or even been snubbed by bowls, or you know teams below them record-wise having jumped over them. That's happened in their Big 12 history. So I think you've got it right when you look at the next, the, the level below that that uh, December 31st, uh, January 1st level, and that is the Belt, the Music City, uh, the Liberty. The, the 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 Music City to me would be the most desirable of that for a Missouri fan because of the 
the proximity, the the prestige. It's just a good it's a good game in a good stadium. You know, they play in the Titan Stadium. It's in a city that's that's a destination city. Memphis isn't a bad place to be, but that's a, that's a little bit lower on the pecking order. And I don't know if Missouri wants to go all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, to play an ACC team. Um, although it might end up that way. So I, I think I think you've got it right. It is a business, and everybody's out to you know do do what's best for their their bowl game and and their um, and, and their city. And schools need advocates. They need advocates at, at, in, in their department that are promoting their school to bowl games. That's how Missouri lost out on the Orange Bowl back in, uh, back in o, after the 07 season when uh, they had beaten Kansas at Arrowhead Stadium, and Kansas ended up going to the Orange and Missouri to the Cotton because Kansas lobbied harder for the, and promised more ticket sales for the, for the Orange Bowl. So you got to have bowl advocates, and I suspect Missouri is trying to do its best to get in the best and most favorable position that it can. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass. The only other thing I throw in that I uh, was a uh, uh, reading from the book of Blair is that both of those, uh, you know, the the Outback and the Gator Bowl are both in cities that have NFL teams that have looked at Drew Locke as a quarterback. And ah, kind of to your last yeah. point, you, you know, I, I don't – obviously, we don't know where Drew Locke is going to fall in the draft right now. It's too early to tell. I mean, I think he's firmly in the first round. The mock drafts have him all over the board. But, you know, the Jaguars have been talked about a lot just that because of the development of Blake Bortles and because of Jameis Winston's issues in Tampa Bay that both teams were at the Florida game and have been talked about as, a te- as teams that could press the reset button under center because of of their current issues there. So I, I agree with what you said. I, I think I think the things that could help push Missouri into those that, you know, outback or, or gator bowl is that as you said, have we had the other teams in question or the other options, you know, X amount you know, X amount of times the last couple of years. And one, you know, so we could jazz it up with Missouri, but also we could potentially sell the local fan base on come see a kid that might be playing for you soon. So I, I, I think that those are the two little, uh, I guess, dark horse factors that could maybe, you know, throw a wrench in all this is that can the, can the local market look at Drew Locke as a, as a future member of their NFL team and, and say, you know what, there's enough here plus that to maybe sell tickets for that. You know, the, the the schools that you have to look at right now that Missouri would be climbing over to get into one of those bowls would be Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi and, and State, Auburn. and Mississippi State and Auburn. Those are the schools that, you know, at least right now in the projections of the pecking order, you know, we're not talking about Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. You know, we're talking about the next level. 
So mm-hmm. if you're in the if you're in the if you're sitting around the conference table in the bowl office in you know in Orlando or Tampa or, or Jacksonville and you're and you're throwing these schools at, and you're talking to them, um, you know that's that, that's that, that's a discussion that needs to be being had in in, in these in these uh, bowl cities. And I'll be curious to see if any what what bowl scouts are at the Missouri game on Friday. Um, always a little bit of a clue, and it's always fun. These guys like talking. Um, and, and they like to sort of uh, dish the dirt on the other bowls. So if you see any of them in the uh, any bowl scouts in the press box on Friday, make sure to uh, you know share a coke with them and, uh, and and get some intel. Yeah, quick uh, a quick story for you about that. So the Liberty Bowl had a representative in the press conference for uh, for Barry after the win in Tennessee, and I won't name the media member. I can just say it was not a member of the Kansas City Star. The Liberty Bowl guy is standing right behind where this beat writer is seated, and he's saying how Mizzou has no business taking a Liberty Bowl bid. It uh, doesn't want to go to Memphis; would rather go somewhere tropical. Um, you know, the Liberty Bowl has been uh, been wanting Mizzou for years, and it, it's, it's another year that's not going to happen. And I'm sitting there trying to keep a straight face, and I'm looking between the beat writer and the Liberty Bowl guy. The beat writer does not know. The Liberty Bowl guy is behind him, and the guy's looking at me, and I'm kind of trying to egg him on, like, come on, say something. Make this hilarious. And uh, and so Barry walks in, says hi to the Liberty Bowl guy before he gives his opening statement. Said beat writer looks at the Liberty Bowl guy and then quickly looks away and uh, changes a different color before Barry opens his, uh, his statement. So I, I thought the whole thing was hilarious that uh, – that, Said person was was trashing the Liberty Bowl, and the guy, guy was a gentleman and bit his tongue. He could have spoken up and let him know that his presence was there, but he, uh, he he was the bigger person. So credit to him. Well, that 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 little story will go back to Memphis and be discussed at the uh, among the whatever colored jackets those that that particular I think it's blue maybe whatever jackets they wear. Uh, uh, that that group in Liberty, you know, that story will be told that, he, that their game was being trashed by a Missouri media member, Tigers uh, beat guy in in the press conference. So um, they pick up on all that stuff. I mean, they're it's a, it's a you know it's an important business. These bowl games are big business for the communities. They're important businesses. They um, you know there, there's a big charitable component to it. You know these kids uh, the teams visit the hospitals and um, it, it, it's they're important. You know the Liberty Bowl is very important to Memphis and uh, uh, Music City very important to Nashville. So they're, they're that's why they send these guys on the road for about five or six weeks of the season to talk to to, to, to kind of get a feel for the fan base and to get a you know, temperature of the team. Um, the, the games are meaningless. We we can have a discussion about that in the future. In fact, we'll, let's make that a podcast before Missouri plays in a bowl, just how meaningless these bowls are. But for the cities that they play in, they're very important. I agree. So I'll, I'll be sure to report back as to who's in the press box on Friday. Let's there talk a little that. basketball. I don't know if you have a Flow Hoops account. Um but you know, going into the Paradise Jam tournament, I kind of said if Missouri goes two and one, and still finds a way to play Kansas State, kind of see where they're at against a team of that caliber, and maybe hang with them a little bit. I, I say I would call it a good trip for Conzo Martin. I uh, quick another quick story from the weekend for you. So I leave out of Columbia. I got a great deal out of a flight out of Columbia to go to Knoxville. Um, 
at 6 a.m. I take off from Columbia, get to Chicago. Should be a one-hour layover. Plane's delayed for three hours from a maintenance issue. I was originally supposed to land in Knoxville around noon. I thought it was great. I'd see some friends and be able to settle down to watch the whole Kennesaw State game. Um, Flight's delayed three hours. We get in the plane. We get on the runway, and the guy comes over the speaker. And for the first time in my life, this never happened. The guy says, hey, I know we just had a three-hour maintenance delay. One of our generators is now not working. We have to go back to the gate and get another repair. So... So at that point, I was just ready to see if a, a fall from the uh, plane to the tarmac would kill me, which obviously it wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> but so anyway, I, I ended up getting into Knoxville late, and I didn't get to really see the Kennesaw State game until it was probably about five minutes left or less. But it was such a close game for Missouri, I just thought, man, you know, if they even make it to Sunday, that that's an astonishment just in terms of turnaround. You know, those tournaments are – one game a day, very quick scout for for your uh, from your first game, your second, your second, your third, and then they come out on Saturday or Sunday and look great against Oregon State. You know, Oregon State um, has been down a bit in recent years. You know, the Tinkles kind of went the Michael Porter route and hired Stephen Thompson Sr. to get his two sons. Tinkle sons pretty good, and and Missouri, I thought, had his best game of the season against Oregon State. I mean. Jeremiah Tillman was had foul trouble, but Kevin Purrier looks great. Jordan Geist playing with a bad back looked awesome. They got some stuff out of the freshmen. And then on Monday against Kansas State, I'm watching, and, and they hung with them for most of the first half. I admit I didn't get to watch a lot of Kansas State last year, especially when they had Dean Wade, because that was when it was conference tournament time, and all three of our local teams were in the NCAA tournament, so we were all worrying about our own respective regions and brackets and everything. And then Dean Wade just started putting on a show and Missouri made it interesting in the second half, got within 10 or 9, but never never a two-possession game. And I, I thought, given all things considered, that it's a good weekend for Missouri. I mean, Kansas State's a very elite team, especially when Dean Wade is hot. And they have a ton of other weapons on the team. They really spaced the floor so well is my main takeaway uh, with Kansas State. But I, I thought, all things considered, given the way it started, I thought, I think Tonto Martin's probably having a good Thanksgiving, given how his team played from Friday to Monday. Yeah, a, a couple thoughts. First of all, um, if you're going to go two and one in one of these tournaments, that's the two and one you want. You don't want to lose the first one and then play other teams that have lost because then you're playing, you know, lesser teams that don't help your RP, you know, that, that don't help your your strength of uh, schedule, your power rating, and all that. So they they you know they won, and then the Oregon. You're right. The Oregon State victory was was. The, the the obviously their best one of the season so far and and a good one to get and then they run into um, a Kansas State team that deserves its top 15 ranking and Dean Wade not you know I don't know if he's the best player in the Big 12 but he's he's an All Big 12 player in a year that uh, there's some good individuals in the conference so no shame in losing to K State in in the championship game I think the other last two two other takeaways from the tournament is I hope Missouri is never in a tournament again where the games aren't televised. Um, what a, what, what a joke. How do you, how do you, it, what, what would, I, I know it was Monday night and, and you had Monday night football here. I'm not sure what kind of rating it would have gotten, but love to have had the option to see that game. Um, Kansas state, Missouri in, in Kansas city. I think it would have done, it'd been pretty popular, but the, but the most important takeaway was for me, Jordan Geist. I, I, um, you know, I, 
I wasn't sure about him going into the year. I just didn't know what, what, what Missouri had with him based on what I saw last year. And I think if he didn't make the all-tournament team, then that was a big mistake. I, I don't know who was on the all-tournament team or anything, but he, he, to me, he took another step in his development and his progress. And I, I have more confidence in him uh, at his position than I ever have. And, and I'm thinking Missouri could be okay with him. There's still some, you know, still some shortcomings in his game, but, uh, but I, I saw a leader in these three games and, uh, and I think uh, I think Missouri and Conzo Martin are going to lean on him even more uh, after seeing how he delivered in in the Virgin Islands. I agree completely. You know, back to the TV point, uh, we were all talking in the press box of Tennessee how, you know, uh, a longtime Mizzou athletic staffer who I'll, I'll conceal uh, for the sake of this story had said how you know when Frank Hayes was at Missouri, he had told the administration he wanted to play a game in Madison Square Garden every single year, whether it was the Jimmy V the 2K Classic, some kind of neutral site game with a local opponent like a St. John's, but he wanted to play in the Garden every year because it would be great for the program in terms of recruiting and branding and all that stuff. And also, you would never not be denied national television for a college game in the Garden. And how even though he had his issues there with the NCAA stuff from Miami and whatnot, you know, the one thing he got right was he understood how to knew, how to um, how to use venues and tournaments like that for the sake of building the program. And I don't know if the Paradise Jam was something that Conzo agreed to or that uh, that was still under the Kim Anderson deal. But I, I just I agree. I think that this was a big missed opportunity given that the local ties. You know, Conzo was coached by Bruce Weaver at Purdue as an assistant. Uh, two local teams, and, you know, there. I think there was a lot of buzz, even though the Chiefs dominated Monday night, that there was some buzz about how, you know, uh, an old-school Big 12 matchup, so, you know, a, an old friend for Conzo, and just Missouri looks so good against Oregon State. Let's see what they could give them. So I uh, I, I agree that, that the biggest revelation was Geist. I think that now him and Kevin Purrier, your two go-to scorers, I think Jeremiah Tillman, it, it, the weekend in the in the opposite direction, I, I mean, is he ever going to get the foul trouble figured out? You know, he just he, – he had that great game against Central Arkansas, 16-5. and five. Everyone thought he figured it out. And then he's never really been the same since. And he played a lot against Iowa State, but he didn't have a lot of touches. And it's, it's just a, a curious deal about what's it going to take to kind of unlock his potential and, and keep him in a game and also keep him offensively aggressive. So – you know, they're, they're off this week. Um, they play Temple next Tuesday, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Fran Dunphy, I'm a big fan of. He recruited my high school a lot. Uh, Clay DeCozy, who was my classmate a year older than me, was in a 1,000-point score for them. And uh, quick backstory for you. You know, I was doing a story on Quentin after he had signed with Temple, and I wanted a quote from Dunphy. And this is before I knew that SIDs were a thing and that there was a, a way you had to go about things. I just found his emails and his uh, his telephone on this directory, and I called him, and I, I left a message and I for him and some of his assistants in case I couldn't get him and his emails, and they all got back to me, and they've all been very nice to me ever since. So, I, I you know, it's his last year at Temple. He, uh, he teaches a class there, which I always thought was cool, too. You don't see, you know, how many college basketball coaches Division One also teach on campus. Right. Uh, you know, it's not even a – I think it's a, a restaurant class or something like that because he used to own restaurants or something. But 
I, I just think that he's such a cool throwback and, uh, you know, just a different breed of coach than, than what, uh, you know, you usually see in this in today's game. And uh, they have a decent team, too, so I think that this is another good test for Missouri to kind of see what they learned from playing Kansas State. And, uh, and maybe they get K.J. Santos back by that point. We can see what he can do. Yep. Hey, five and one. They've had a couple of beat Georgia, a couple and, and Cal, a couple of good wins for for Temple so far. So, yeah, that's uh, one of the better non-conference opponents for um, you know for, for Missouri this year. I'll definitely look forward to this one. Awesome. You know, the Chiefs are off this week, so I guess the, you know we we already said how Missouri should handily beat uh, Arkansas. So, give me a uh, a for Thanksgiving. Give me a score prediction and a go to on the dinner table for Thanksgiving? Uh, good one. Um, the score will be, um, I, I, I think, somewhat similar to what we saw last weekend. Uh, so I'm going to go, uh, how about 49-17, Missouri over Arkansas. I don't think the Razorbacks are going to be terribly interested. Maybe that makes maybe that gives them a freer mind coming into this game, and they'll just play uh, pretty loose. But I don't know. I, I think Missouri Missouri goes uh, – senior day is important. Missouri takes advantage and, and rolls up a big score. And I'm old school Thanksgiving. I mean, totally old school. I, I think a plate with uh, with the turkey and the mashed potatoes. Now, you can doll up the mashed potatoes a little bit, maybe garlic mashed potatoes with some cheese in them. or I'll, um, uh, Anything you want to do to, to doll up the mashed potatoes, I'm all for. But I'm turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, and whatever green thing – I've become a Brussels sprouts guy, so maybe that that may not be a Thanksgiving traditional uh, uh, side, but I'm, I'm I'm all for that. And uh, and then when it comes to the dessert, um, I don't know. I've never been put much of a pie guy, uh, or at least not pumpkin pie. I'll take a slice of apple though um, and finish it off uh, with a lot of football. Gotcha. I, uh, I'm i going to pick Missouri 48-14, so not too far off from yours. You know, a storyline we didn't even talk about that I wrote about in today's paper that was up last night was that, you know, Arkansas passed under Brett Puma for recruiting Missouri star tailback Demario Crockett. The kid they picked over him, as high school coach told me, T.J. Hammond. Demario Crockett enters Friday with, I think, roughly, I'm off by a couple yards, but 2,260 career rushing yards from Missouri. T.J. Hammond at 383. And uh, huh. Crockett can play the first two years against Missouri, the, mar- the marijuana uh, citation he got suspended for, and then the shoulder last year. So he also wants, you know, aside from Drew Locke trying to get into the end zone his last time at Perot, Jamari Crockett has a chip on his shoulder. So I, I think I think 48-14. And uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I- I'm a big turkey guy too. You know, my mom will make homemade cranberry sauce, and then she'll also buy – the like ocean spray canned stuff and uh, and to talk about new school like I love the canned stuff I love my mom's cooking but I I, I will go for the cans of cranberry sauce nine and a half out of ten times over the homemade cranberry sauce uh, that's my go-to and then as you said I'm big into the vegetables so if it's asparagus green beans broccoli as a green thing I'm good and uh, I won't be home for Thanksgiving which is in Orlando last year for the tournament but uh, the only apple pie I will eat that is that good is Gene Denae Bakery in Brooklyn, about 10 blocks from where my dad lived and his pharmacy was. Uh, that's the only, like, every Thanksgiving we get one of those pies and about half of it was reserved for me. So I, uh, I will not have pie tomorrow, probably out of respect to Gene Denae. Very good, very good. If you're in, and if you're in this part of the country, and maybe it's in Columbia too, and in all of Missouri, Tippins is the pie uh, of choice for for many people. 
in, uh, in, in this part of the world. Tippin's Pies are just a Kansas City-based company out of this world. Okay, okay. I look. I, I might. I might stop by a bakery then I'll, while I'm in Kansas City to uh, to see what I can find on that. I appreciate the uh, the intel. Well, you have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. You too, Blair. Take care. We'll see you next Bye week now. on the podcast.